is John, uh, co-pastor of the Open Door Church and director of Garfield Community Farm. Glad you're tuning in to this week's podcast. This, uh, this week we're going to listen in to the sermon that I preached this past Sunday. So this is uh, recorded live on our Zoom call version of worship, which anyone and everyone is welcome to join. Um, you can get the link to that at our website, pghopendoor.net. Um, you can also um, come up to the farm, Garfield Community Farm, any Sunday morning at 9 a.m. As long as it's not raining, we're going to keep doing worship at the farm even as we get into cooler weather or maybe downright cold weather. And we'll see how this goes, but at least during these days of the pandemic, we will continue worshiping in small numbers right up at the farm each Sunday, 9 a.m., masks on, socially distanced, and it's more of a prayer service than a full-on time of worship. We don't have singing because that can be uh, one of the best ways to spread this disease. Um when we're in groups of people. So we're, uh, we're keeping it simple, but it's been a beautiful time each week. And you can find more details on that also at our website. Um, but yeah, feel free to come on up or just uh, listen in here to what's happening. I hope you enjoy. Let me read this. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, do you not need to have anything? You do not need to have anything written for you. So I just want to pause there. If we're not paying attention, <laughs> like I feel like I'm not. Uh, focus in on that, that first verse because it's pretty f- like accurately... I don't know. It just kind of hits you because it says now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. And it's like the times and the seasons we're in now. Good gracious. Yeah. Uh, Paul's kind of saying it's really obvious. We're in some crazy times and a crazy season. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them in labor, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not in the night of, or in darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another 
and build up each other as indeed you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. All right. So this passage hits on two like major concepts that I'm excited to get into. One is God's light for God's people in the world. And the second thing is the safety and protection of God through faith, hope, and love. The idea of light as God's presence is a, a powerful metaphor for us. Light, especially for us in our day when any slivers of light seem like they're hard to come by, right? Paul says that we are children of the day, children of light. The metaphor of being in the light, it's common. I mean, it's, it's present through most religions. As Christians, we believe that Jesus gives us a new way of life that shines God's light throughout our lives. Jesus said that he was the light of the world, right? But Jesus also said, you are the light of the world. All of Jesus's followers are the light of the world. Paul says that God's light helps us discern the times and see what is happening in this world, even when the times are very dark. Today in our world, with our current circumstances, the day can feel pretty darn dark and cloudy, even for us people of light. I think Paul's words in the scripture are for times like our times, times like these, times when the world seems like a pretty dark place. I want to just pause there for a minute and take a take another breath like Jen has led us to do already. Ground yourself in this moment because our reality is not an easy one right now, but our scripture is here to build us up, here to give us comfort. Our times are dark, just like the times that Paul is writing about. Paul's words here should be a blessing to us all. According to Paul, we are destined to life with Christ. The light of the world is Jesus, and we have a direct connection to that salvific light. For Paul, those who are in darkness, they're not paying attention. They are asleep to the realities of God in the world and the realities of evil in the world. He says they're asleep in the night. They're drunk in the night. When you're drunk, you can't, you, you don't have your, your full senses, your faculties, your, your body and your mind aren't working as they should be. You're not able to pay attention but we are awake, we are sober. We are ever learning and understanding God's work 
in the world because God illuminates our path. That's the truth, even if it's hard to really believe it, feel it, know it sometimes. Paul then goes on to say that those of us who are in God's light are also protected. We're protected through faith, hope, and love. First, Paul says, we have a breastplate of faith and love. And this is where the, that idea um, that this is one of Paul's earliest letters comes in because we see some things that Paul really expands on later, right? And I, I, I don't know, I think it's really cool to have in our scriptures this progression of Paul writing to his, the churches that he planted. And so this is an early, the, the, one of the earliest ways that Paul talks about the armor. You know, Paul talks about that later in, in, in other letters. Um, it's also, Paul brings up faith, hope, and love, but he puts them in different order. We know Paul talks about faith, hope, and love throughout um, his letters. So first he says, we have a breastplate of faith and love. Paul believed that these were protective qualities for us to have. I don't know about you, but I could use the reassurance that my heart is protected right now. Do you have this gift of faith or this gift of love in your life that is protective? We all need a little more faith and a little more love in our lives. Sometimes, sometimes cultivating faith or cultivating love is what is needed. I love this idea of cultivation. Um, at the farm, we cultivate the good things that we, we want to see grow. We cultivate the soil, the space where those good things um, will grow. Uh, cultivation it takes intention. Um, it takes some work. It takes action. And I think I use this word cultivate because, because I think that we have to be intentional about having faith and having love in our lives. And when we do have those things, we're, we're guarded in a good way. We're, we're protected by those things. Our heart, our, the breastplate that Paul talks about, it, it protects our heart. This week, I did a loving kindness meditation where you extend love to, first to yourself and then outward to others, usually people that you, uh, that, you, that you are in your life that you love. So extend them love. And then it goes out from there to extending love to people who you don't know or to the world. And th this is one way to cultivate love, to, to intentionally practice love. And of course, we practice loving our neighbors. That doesn't always come naturally, but sometimes it takes work. It takes practice. So how are you cultivating love in your life right now? Cultivating love is as simple as giving of yourself to others with no expectation of anything in return. And faith, Paul says faith is is the other quality that, that is that breastplate of protection. Faith isn't automatic either. Faith can be hard sometimes. 
How, how are you cultivating faith in your life? Is there something that comes to mind really quickly of how you practice your faith, of how you cultivate and grow faith in your life? Prayer is one of the best ways to cultivate, to grow faith. But it can be hard. It can be hard. By, by letting go, for me, by letting go of what I think prayer should be, and what I think faith should be and what it should look like, I'm able to, to accept the faith that, that is there. Sometimes I have these preconceived notions of what, what prayer should be. But for me, saying the Jesus prayer is a great way to cultivate faith. I mean, it's not me who's, who's building that faith or who's growing that faith, it's God. The, the cultivation is setting aside time or moments in a day um, in this circumstance to say the Jesus prayer, to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and earth, have mercy on me. To take the time to say those simple, simple words. Sometimes it might mean saying it a hundred times and taking, uh, you know, a significant chunk of time to pray. Sometimes it's just saying it once because I'm in a situation where my anxiety is skyrocketing and I need to pause and say those words. Faith and love, they protect us in dark times. They are our breastplate. Next, Paul says, we put on a helmet. I love this. A helmet of what? Do you remember? Helmet of hope hope of salvation. Paul says we put on the helmet of hope. No one puts on a helmet and then sits at home, do they? Um, at, at nine o'clock up at the farm, um, Ken Jennings told us about um, when, he was, when he was in Korea in the military, in active duty, his, they would put on like all of their gear um, and the helmet would be put on last. And oftentimes they, he said they would put on the helmet and just be going out and doing the same old thing. And there was like little need to have this big clunky helmet on, but it was the most important piece. And there was one circumstance where one of his men got hit hard in the head and was totally fine because he put his helmet on, even though it was a hard and annoying thing to do. This reminds me that our hope is an active hope. Hope requires action. Earlier this month, I was talking with a friend. Um, he's a climate activist and he's actually uh, a coach of other activists who are working on you know, big things, hard things in our world. And he was out canvassing in Philadelphia um, for the Biden campaign. He was just, it was just about a week before the election. And I, I said to him, so are you feeling optimistic? And he kind of paused and he said, um, I'm feeling hopeful. Uh, not sure I'm feeling optimistic, but I'm feeling hopeful. Then he explained that for him, optimism was just another, like the other side of pessimism, two stagnant ways of being that you're, if you're an optimist, you're always seeing 
the positive, even if there's negative right in front of your face. And if you're a pessimist, you're always seeing the negative, you know, it's, it's really two, two ideas that are two ways of being that are not very different from the other. But hope, living into hope, hope is built on something different than optimism or pessimism. Those things are stagnant, but hope is built on action. Hope belongs to those who have given all that they can give and therefore see the scales of justice tipping in our direction. Hope is for those who have the courage to put on the helmet and to take action in a world of danger and darkness. Together as followers of Jesus, we put on this helmet, this helmet of hope for salvation. This week, um, it was just two nights ago, Alyssa came downstairs with um, another Nadia Boltzweber sermon. And Nadia was a pastor in a church and now she she's not serving any church right now. So she just records these sermons and puts them on Instagram, uh, IGTV, Instagram. Um, so she'll put them up there and she, she put one up and guess what it was on this week? Hope and anxiety. And right now, most of us are struggling with some level of healthy or unhealthy anxiety. Over the past few weeks, my anxiety has, it's been sky high, right? I mean, we have plenty of reasons to struggle with anxiety right now. It's hard to know what to do with it. Nadia helped me realize that anxiety is really just one step behind hope. With anxiety, we dwell on the future and we can't live in the present because we're not confident that we will find safety and well-being in what is about to happen. With faith and love, we can then put on a helmet of hope and know that God protects us. We can have hope because our faith, because of our faith and our love. Our faith and our love is protecting us. Anxiety just might fade because we're protected by a loving God. Anxiety just might be redeemed by the power of Jesus and transformed into hope. Both of them are about what's happening in the future. Both of them are about tomorrow. Do we have hope in a salvation that God is bringing? Or do we have anxiety that things are out of control? They're up to us to fix and we can't fix them. I think if we can put on the helmet of hope, our anxiety will be transformed by our actions for the sake of creating a better world. We can live in hope and not live drowning in anxiety. The open door right now is in the midst of great upheaval, of course, as our whole world is. We will not go back to normal because the world around us doesn't need a church that goes back to what we think is normal. Our world has been thrown into disarray, revealing 
the insidious nature of systemic racism, the greed that continues to lead to injustice, that leads to inaction on climate, people of faith fooling themselves to think Jesus is a white middle-class American. We don't need to go back to normal, the American church. And the open door can't go back to normal because things have changed too much for us. But we have hope. We have a helmet of hope. We have protection from God so that we can hope. Today, the open door in every church is being given an opportunity to put on a helmet of hope and a breastplate of faith and love as we prepare to get out into the world where we will pursue God's salvation with hopefulness, believing that works of justice and love in our world will bring about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven that we've been reading about every week for months now from Matthew's gospel. I have great hope for our world, great hope for the Open Door Church, great hope for what God is about to do. But that doesn't make any of it easy. And that's why Paul writes about these dark times. Paul writes about the light, the breastplate of love and faith, and the helmet of hope. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Earth, have mercy on us. Lord, we thank you for your word that is so accurately just describes our world today and our need for you today. Lord, we thank you that you give us light, help us to have eyes to see the truth in the light. And God, give us the courage to put on the breastplate of love and faith and to cultivate love and faith in our lives. Give us the courage to put on the helmet of hope that we might take action to build hope and not sit in anxiety for too long. But we pray that you would transform our anxiety into hopefulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before we take communion today, I um, asked Scott Hagley to share a few words. Scott is on the PNC, the Pastoral Nominating Committee, and asked him to say a few words about um, just about hopefulness for the future uh, and where he sees where he sees hope right now um, for us as a church. Scott, are you, where are you? There we go. Hey. I was muted, and I, but I'm not any longer. Um, you'd think by this point in the pandemic, we'd all have the mute button thing down, but um, some of us are slow learners. Uh, so I feel a little sheepish talking about this with Megan and Kaylin, you know, in the gathering because they have carried a lot of the work for us. So I just want to give a shout out to those two. Um, so the, the PNC 
is uh, we've had now our, our ministry uh, information kind of job description out on the uh, kind of open market now for a couple of weeks. And um, we've got a really overwhelming response, um, which is really encouraging. And uh, if we want to run with John's distinction between hope and optimism, it gives us optimism, um, you know, a sense of optimism that there are good candidates out there that see our church as an attractive landing place. And um, and then, you know, among the candidates, we're, we're doing evaluations now. Um, we, you know, I don't know exactly what the next steps are going to be. I think we were going to wait for a while before we did some serious evaluation. Um, but there's strong enough candidates that that might speed up a little bit. We're, I think um, there's, I think we're going to make some decisions tomorrow about that. Um, but what gives me, what gives me hope in, in the midst of this is that, um, you know, uh, part of what we're discerning, I think in this position is, um, has to do with the future of this church and trying to discern, you know, um, what God's preferred and promised future is for this community at this time and in this place. And one of the ways that we're going to test that discernment is through, you know, this, this process. And I think had there not been a good initial response or had we as a committee not really had a clearer sense of what, what it is we think um, God is leading us as a church to, I mean, that would have been cause for some pause and some thinking about kind of where we are and where we want to go. And I think instead there's, there's been a general sense um, of encouragement in the midst of this process um, that there are uh, gifted quality people um, that, that are in their discernment seeing this as a possible um, community that they'd wanna work with. Um, that's not to say that this is smooth or that it's settled or anything like that, but that um, you know, there are signs that God is journeying with us um, and that God is good for the promises that he's, he's given to us um, as, as you know, the people of God. Um, so that gives me a lot of hope. Um, the other thing John asked me to talk about um, was the, um, the pledging process going into the next fiscal year. And, um, you know, if, if hope um, is action, um, hope can be understood as action, or, or maybe a better word would be participation, you know, that God has accomplished these things and that God has promised to bring to fulfillment um, God's salvation and the church is one community, one expression um, that is a kind of anticipation of God's future, um, where Jew and Gentile are reconciled, where, um, you know, socioeconomics and um, um, racial divisions and ethnic divisions and things like that are um, reconfigured in, in, in and by the spirit of God, that this is the role the church, one of the roles the church plays in the world. Um, and one of the realities of life in the United States is that churches depend upon the financial participation of our members to function. And so one of the ways that we're, you know, the pledge is not open door anxiety, anxiety from the session about um, whether we're going to make ends meet over the next year. It's rather a, a, an invitation for us as a community to say, Given where I am in my life right now, um, here's how I can, here's one way I can participate 
And then that just helps us to plan for the upcoming year. Um, I think there's another reason as well, though, for, you know, the pledge and think and kind of prayerfully discerning um, what it is uh, you want to commit to over the upcoming year for financial participation. And that would just be the formational realities of it. You know, I think in, in kind of ancient Israel, there were a whole set of guidelines around um, tithes and offerings as a way of recognizing that all good things come from God and the tithe and the offering as a way for the community to recognize that God is the, God is the gift giver. And, um, and this is a discipline that recognizes that. Now, I don't think there's any real enduring law for us as Christians around this. I think there's a lot of freedom um, in terms of how we participate financially. But I think the deeper sort of principle of that is just that, um, you know, one of the ways we recognize uh, the gifts of God in our life and the fact that we are, um, uh, uh, that we owe, you know, that we live by and through God's grace is, is this practice of generosity. Um, and open door doesn't need to be the place that that gets expressed, but to think about ways that our financial gift giving is also uh, formational in terms of our life in Christ. And so the pledge is one way for us to sort of work that out, I think, as a community as well. Um, but I think John has framed this really well for us to just think about hope as a way of participating in God's promised future. And, uh, you know, I think there's some good ways for us to do that as we enter the season of discernment um, with these new candidates, um, you know, God willing, um, coming up shortly. Um, as well as discernment around our financial commitment to the church. Um, so that's, I, I'm looking for a place to land, John. The airplane circling, that's it. That was a great landing. Thank you, Scott. I really I appreciate you sharing. Um, yeah, I, I'll just say uh, we're in a good place. And uh, this fall, uh, every fall, you all are extremely generous. We've learned that. And so we're, we encourage you, um, if you're able to give, to do that. And we're going to kind of track. We're behind fair, like, you know, kind of significantly. We're in a good place. We're behind. We're going to track that. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to be in a very good place. Um, and I know for some of us, we can't, maybe you can't give right now. And that's a hard thing. And that is okay, really that is okay. Um, and for others of us not being in person, uh, we haven't given um, uh, as we had wanted to or planned to. And so I know that some of you would like to catch up. Again, I just put in the chat uh, the address that you can send a check to if you don't want any percentage taken out by PayPal. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for continuing to give. I mean, it's amazing. I've know a lot of churches in a bad situation right now uh, and we're doing okay. Thanks again for listening. The music for our podcast each week is created by myself and my wife, Alyssa Creasy. 
Um, our band is called This Side of Eve. You can hear our music at thissideofeve.com. And um, sometimes we just pull out a guitar here and there and create things just for the podcast. But most of it is pre-recorded uh, by our band or just by the two of us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.